Hey everyone, this is unprecedented, but I'm doing an intro for the intro for the episode. I just wanted to give you some context. When I was initially planning this episode, I was doing a significant amount of research into the history of Christmas. We were going to take a look at all of the different winter festivals that have cropped up around solstice and how those different pagan elements slowly made their way into mainstream Christianity and why Christianity chose this time to celebrate the nativity. From there, we were going to take a deep dive into all of the different mythologies that fed into the nativity story that we all know today. And then ultimately, I was going to end up tracing the history of Santa Claus from his beginnings as a historical figure to folk hero to saint to advertising icon to where we are today with what I would say is a proto-god. Unfortunately, when I got all of this put together, I realized I had about six hours of material that needed to be recorded and produced in about three days, which is impossible. So, you have something to look forward to next year. This year, we're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to look at a couple of true Christmas stories. I'm going to look a little bit at the history and some of the mythology underlying it, but without diving in too deep, I'm going to say disparaging things about certain kinds of religious fundamentalists who want to ruin things for everyone, and then we're going to end up talking for a little bit about Santa Claus and the real spirit of the season. Okay, this is the end of the intro to the intro. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Before we get started this week, I wanted to mention a couple of things. There's a lot that's gone on over the past month or so. A lot of people, including myself, have gotten very bad news. One of the biggest pieces of news to come out of the past month or so is, of course, the results of the American presidential election. And regardless of where you fall on the political side of things, It's safe to say that the incoming administration has made it very clear what their agenda is. We have a lot of work ahead of us, and there are a lot of people who need our help. And the organizations that have donated decades to helping people in need are going to be severely understaffed and underfunded. I will include a list on the website, findyourgods.com, where you can go and click on links to help donate to some of these organizations, but each and every one of them deserves support. To begin with, Planned Parenthood. They need your support. The Natural Resources Defense Council needs your support. The International Refugee Assistance Project needs your support. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund needs your support. You could also show your support for the Trevor Project. And let's not forget the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund. These are the organizations that are supporting the people that this incoming administration has targeted. I may have lost a number of you. To be frank, I don't care. The time for politics is over. We have to act to support our fellow Americans. 
I'll include the list, as I said, on the website. But don't forget, like I always say, the best way that you can show your support is in your local community. Find a soup kitchen. Find a homeless shelter. Find a women's shelter. Find a suicide hotline. Volunteer your time. You have no idea the impact you can make. That's definitely enough for now. If any of you are still listening, okay, let's get started. Now shall I tell of things that change, new being out of old, since you, O gods, created mutable arts and gifts, give me the voice to tell the shifting story of the world. I noticed something on the way to work a couple of weeks ago, and it's been on my mind ever since. And I thought we might talk about it. As I was driving to work, I noticed a billboard with a nativity scene on it. And it said something along the lines of, Keep Christ in Christmas. A few miles on, there was another billboard from a different organization with a similar message, and then another 10 miles or so on, there was another billboard with another message. And it seems to be a theme around this time of year that comes up pretty consistently these days. There's a discussion about the real reason for the season. And this isn't anything new. I remember this from when I was a kid. Back then, though, I feel like it was more of a reaction to this idea of Christmas being too materialistic. And there was this, this idea that somehow we needed to refocus away from all of the gifts and the parties and all of the, the glitzy trappings of Christmas to focus back on what truly mattered, which, for Christians, is the birth of Christ. Along with that, I've been thinking a lot about a story from my childhood. This is a true story. This is a story that happened when I was a kid. One evening after dinner, my mom and dad sat down with me and my brothers. It was right around Thanksgiving. And they said, listen, guys, we've decided something. We've decided that this year we're not going to buy any Christmas presents. We've heard about a family in our church. The father's lost his job. The mom has been out of work. And 
they're not going to have a Christmas this year. And God has really blessed us. We're lucky. Everyone in our family is healthy. Your dad has a good job. We have a roof over our heads. There's food on the table. And there's nothing that we need. So instead of buying presents this year for all of us, we feel like it would be better to use that money for this family that won't have any Christmas at all. And instead, what we'll do is we'll go out for Christmas and have a nice dinner. When we get up in the morning, there will be stockings. But there won't be a bunch of presents under the tree. There'll be presents under someone else's tree. We feel like that's more important. Now, I can remember parts of this when I was a kid. I maybe was eight or nine years old, but I remember the conversation. And I don't remember being upset. I don't remember feeling like I was being cheated. But I also don't remember Christmas morning being particularly bereft of gifts or feeling like it wasn't really Christmas. I remember going out for our nice dinner. I remember getting up the next morning. And I remember going to church that day. Because that day on Christmas at church, my dad was standing there after the sermon Everybody was talking and chatting. Little kids were running all over the place. And one little girl ran up to my dad and said, Merry Christmas, Mr. Camp. And he said, well, Merry Christmas to you. And did you have a good Christmas? And she said, I did. I did. I got a bicycle. I've never had a bicycle before. I got my first bike. And when I get home today, my dad is going to teach me how to ride it. And she ran off. And my dad stood there for a minute. Because, of course, that little girl was the daughter of the man who had lost his job. That's a pretty good story. That's a pretty good Christmas story. And when I hear people talk about Christmas being too materialistic, it kind of annoys me. Because Christmas has always been materialistic. Because Christmas hasn't always been about the birth of Jesus. This festival that we hold in the bleak midwinter wasn't about the birth of a Savior. It, it had a completely different purpose long before the birth of Christ. And the idea that somehow materialism, giving gifts putting up a tree, talking about Santa Claus, all of these things, somehow that detracts from the birth of Christ, ignores the fact that the birth of Christ is historically something that didn't occur at this time of year and was grafted on to these pagan holidays by a church desperate to win over new followers. So they had to appropriate the trappings of paganism, which now they reject. Well, let's be honest, they don't reject them. Every Christian I've ever known in my entire life who talks about how Christmas has become too materialistic and is focused on the wrong things, they still buy presents, they still have a Christmas tree, they're still participating in the ritual that has nothing to do with their risen Lord. I don't fault them for this. I fault them for maybe being ignorant of the origins of their own holiday, 
And I fault them for adopting kind of a fake victimhood, like their war on Christmas, which doesn't exist. But in all honesty, Christmas has always been a time for gifts. It's always been, and meant to have been, a bright evening in a very dark time. There was a certain point in the history of Christianity where they rejected all of this. The Puritans, who founded the country I live in now, rejected the idea of Christmas. They felt people should spend that day in darkness and solitude and prayer in church. It was a quiet time of reflection. They reveled in the bleak. And I don't particularly care for that. I don't really resonate with that. Because whether you're celebrating the birth of Christ or you're celebrating this bright moment in darkness where we can all gather together and, and brighten our spirits, that's not a time for gray solitude. We have enough solitude. We have enough darkness right now. If there's anything we need in this world, all around the world, it's a light. And a day or an evening where we get together as friends and family, where we give each other gifts. The whole idea is to show that we've thought of someone, that we care about someone, that we put some time into giving something to somebody. And I'll grant you, it's gotten commercial, it's gotten material. People spend too much money. Hell, I spent too much money. But we do it, hopefully we do it, I do it, because I love the people that I give my gifts to. I don't do it out of obligation. But the original meaning of Christmas, it had everything to do with this moment of brightness in the darkness of winter. And really, that's what we're supposed to be in this world, a light. Whether you're a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or an atheist, what you're supposed to be is a point of light, a point of comfort and warmth and inspiration. And as we all know, the more lights that you gather together, the brighter it is, the warmer it is. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Christmas. When Christians say that they're fighting the war on Christmas, I want to say you've already lost. You gave up. You can't help yourself but participate in it. And it's ironic to me that you are defending symbols and rituals that you actually appropriated from pre-Christian mythologies and ideals. One of the things that's a point of contention for some Christians is what to do with Santa Claus. You don't have to give up your faith. You don't have to give up what you want to celebrate and believe at this time of year, but don't take it away from other people. And let me give you an example. There's a video going around on social media a pastor, I think from Texas, because of course it's always Texas. And this pastor has taken upon himself and all of his righteousness to go to the mall where families are lined up to visit Santa Claus. And this pastor 
is shouting all the way down the line, back and forth, setting the record straight that the real reason for Christmas is Jesus Christ, who was born 2016 years ago. And when you parents lie to your children and tell them that Santa Claus is real, you're replacing Jesus in their hearts and leading them to hell. And children, Santa Claus is not real. Don't believe it. Your parents are lying to you, children. Don't believe it. The guy's an asshole. He's literally an asshole shitting on other people. And I don't even know where to begin with this guy, but let's start with his credibility. First of all, his strong claim that Jesus was born 2016 years ago, that's demonstrably false. He's clearly uneducated. Most scholars recognize that Jesus, if Jesus existed, was probably born somewhere between 4 and 6 AD. They can tie it to the census that's mentioned in the passages about his birth. But the jury is out on whether or not Jesus was a historical figure. There are plenty of scholars on both sides of the debate, and it's not entirely clear, as with anything else, like I say, you have to choose what you want to believe. Personally, I tend to accept the idea of an historical Jesus. That's just what I choose to believe based on what I've read and studied. But I recognize that there's a debate and it's a legitimate dispute. There's as much historical evidence for the person Jesus as there is for the person St. Nicholas a.k.a. Santa Claus. And there is some irony to a pastor going to a mall and trying to convince kids that Santa Claus isn't real and they should believe in Jesus instead, and citing historical fact to back him up. Because again, each one of these characters, and that's what they are, they're characters. All of us are characters. We're all stories. Each one of these stories, like all stories, lives in a historical gray area. The other thing that I think the pastor hasn't really quite thought through is going around and saying to all of these kids, don't believe what your parents are telling you. Believe in Jesus, not in Santa Claus. He's kind of sowing the seeds of doubt across the board. And I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't some kids there who went, well, if my parents are lying to me about Santa Claus, how do I know they're not lying to me about Jesus? So, you know, that one kind of might backfire down the road. Now, personally, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the side that says there is historical evidence that he existed. I recognize that it's disputed, but I choose that side of things. Not a big surprise there, I don't think. I also believe in Santa Claus. And I don't just mean that I believe in the spirit of Santa Claus. I believe in Santa Claus because I believe in stories and I believe that Santa Claus, like any other mythology, has resonance and weight in this world. If he didn't, he wouldn't have developed into this, dare I say, God that he's become. Now, why do I call him a God? Well, let's think about it. Santa Claus 
shares a lot of characteristics of mythological deities. He lives way up at the top of the world. He flies through the air. He has magical powers. He can see, he can see your good deeds and your bad deeds. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And he rewards you based on your good deeds. He's tied to the winter solstice, that bright light in the middle of the darkest time of the year. He cares about small children and the poor and the lost. He is just and kind. He has a retinue of servants who work magical wonders to bring these gifts to the world. And on his holy day, we leave offerings for him. We pour out libations, milk, and cookies. But there's another reason I believe in Santa Claus. And again, I want to be clear about this. I literally believe in Santa Claus. I believe that that figure exists in the same way that I believe that the gods exist. The stories that we have are ripples or manifestations of them in our world, but they exist outside of us, and these stories bring them into our world. They give us an opportunity to have a relationship with them. And we can choose to have that relationship on a literary level or a simply intellectual level or on a spiritual level. It's up to us. And I don't fault anyone for picking any one of those or rejecting it completely. But unlike other gods, Santa Claus has held on. And there's another reason I believe in Santa Claus. Because, like I've said in the past, he brings out the essence of people. Like I've said, your beliefs, the faith that you follow, the convictions that you hold dear, they don't necessarily transform you into a better person. What they do is they augment and expand the person you are. They water your roots and you grow. Which is why, like in the case of this pastor from Texas, the guy's an asshole. Even if he'd never become a Christian, he'd still be an asshole. But his faith has watered his roots and empowered him to be a bigger asshole on YouTube. And on the flip side, people who are generous, people who are kind, people who are mindful of others, people who reach out to help, people who lift other people up instead of knocking them down, their faith waters their roots, be they atheist, Muslim, Hebrew, Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, or what have you. Let me give you an example. There's a documentary called Becoming Santa. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend that you watch it. It's wonderful. It's all about people who become professional Santas, the people that you see in the malls, the people that you see at parties. There's a certain kind of person who grows the beard, buys the suit and all the trappings, and they personify Santa Claus. 
It's a great documentary. It's well worth your time. I was reminded of it this week when I saw another video that's been going around on social media. You probably saw this one, too. It's hard to watch. There was a professional Santa Claus here in the United States who got a phone call one day from a nurse at a hospital. There was a little boy who was dying of cancer. And he had been told that he would be dead before Christmas, and he was upset about that. He didn't understand what death meant, but he understood what it meant to miss Christmas. So the nurse called this professional Santa Claus in her town and said, Will you come to the boy's hospital room? And the professional Santa Claus said, Sure, I'd be happy to. Let me get my costume together and, you know, I'll be over. And she said, No, no, no. There's no time. Just come. Whatever you can throw on, just come. We don't have time for the rest of it. So Santa jumped in his car. He went to the hospital. And out in the hallway, the boy's family was gathered. And he came up and people were consumed with their grief. This eight or nine-year-old little boy on the threshold of death. And here comes Santa Claus. And Santa said to them, Listen, guys, I'm here for this little boy. Christmas is meant to be a joyous time of year. And that's what I'm going to bring into that room with me. If you can't keep it together, if you're not able to compose yourself and hold on, I need for you to step out into the hallway because I don't want to ruin Christmas for this little boy. And everybody said, yeah, we understand. And Santa Claus went in, and the little boy was there on the hospital bed. His skin as thin as paper, as weak as anything. But when he saw Santa, his eyes lit up. And Santa came over, and he sat down next to him, and he had a, a present that the boy's mother had given him. And Santa helped him open the present, and the little boy said, You know, Santa, they say I'm going to die. And Santa looked around, and he realized he was the only one in the room. And he looked back to the little boy, and he said, Well, I'll tell you, when you get to the pearly gates, you tell them that you're my special elf and they have to let you in. And the little boy looked up at him, his eyes as wide as anything, and said, Really? And Santa leaned down and he gave the boy a hug. And the boy looked up at Santa and he said, Santa, Will you help me? And then he closed his eyes and he died. And Santa sat there holding this little boy that had died in his arms. And then the machine started to go off 
and the mother began to wail, and the nurses came rushing in, and Santa got the hell out of there, bawling his eyes out all the way. And he said, in the interview I saw, he said, I went back home and I told myself I couldn't do this anymore. This wasn't what I wanted. This wasn't what I signed up for. This wasn't what I chose to be. I'm hanging it up. But he had an engagement that he'd already agreed to. And so he went. And he said that when he saw the children smiling and he heard their laughter, it reminded him of why he had chosen to do this. It reminded him of what the calling was. And he... And he's Santa again. Now, if I've got to choose between the pastor in the mall or the Santa Claus in the hospital room, it's no contest. The pastor in the mall, walking up and down the aisle, calling out parents, squashing little kids' dreams and imagination, and someone who is embodying the spirit of Christmas for one dying little boy. Someone who is willing to carry that burden unselfishly. Someone who is taking on the role of a psychopomp and ushering a child across that boundary. That's Santa Claus. That's Christmas. And I got to tell you, I think that if there was a Jesus and if there was a Santa Claus, the two of them would have been right there in that room with that little boy and not walking up and down on a mall, tearing down kids' faith. We're meant to be a light at this time of year and all times of year. We're meant to shine in the darkness, however dark it gets. And if it is too dark for your light, don't put your light out. Gather with other light. That's the only way we can keep the darkness at bay. That's the whole point. That's the reason for this season. Okay, that's definitely enough for now. I hope you all have a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas, a blessed Hanukkah, a celebration of Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you choose to observe. I hope that it is filled with love and light and family and friends. In our next episode, we'll get back to Orpheus. But until then, thank you for listening. Take care of each other. And may your gods bless you.
Find Your Gods is written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp. That's me. So now you know who to blame. Unless otherwise noted, the contents of this show are copyright T.M. Camp, again, me, and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, reproduced, or otherwise delivered in any format or media without his, that is my, express written permission. Failure to comply is a violation of international copyright laws and will, over time, overtake your heart and slowly extinguish each of the flickering lights that you have gathered throughout your life until finally, after long decades, all you are left with is the darkness of your own soul. Follow us online at findyourgods.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram because I'm told the key to success for any new podcast is having a good, strong social media mix.
Hey everyone, this is unprecedented, but I'm doing an intro for the intro for the episode. I just wanted to give you some context. When I was initially planning this episode, I was doing a significant amount of research into the history of Christmas. We were going to take a look at all of the different winter festivals that have cropped up around solstice and how those different pagan elements slowly made their way into mainstream Christianity and why Christianity chose this time to celebrate the nativity. From there, we were going to take a deep dive into all of the different mythologies that fed into the nativity story that we all know today. And then ultimately, I was going to end up tracing the history of Santa Claus from his beginnings as a historical figure to folk hero to saint to advertising icon to where we are today with what I would say is a proto-god. Unfortunately, when I got all of this put together, I realized I had about six hours of material that needed to be recorded and produced in about three days, which is impossible. So, you have something to look forward to next year. This year, we're going to talk about Christmas. We're going to look at a couple of true Christmas stories. I'm going to look a little bit at the history and some of the mythology underlying it, but without diving in too deep, I'm going to say disparaging things about certain kinds of religious fundamentalists who want to ruin things for everyone, and then we're going to end up talking for a little bit about Santa Claus and the real spirit of the season. Okay, this is the end of the intro to the intro. Enjoy. 